0: Hi there, Megan Thompson with Megan Thompson Coaching, and we're covering parenting a sensitive child and the common parenting phrase that children who feel better do better, and why following that phrase is setting you up to struggle when you're parenting a sensitive child who is stuck in the meltdown cycle.
1: Hello, and
0: welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. So here at MTC, we have helped parents of sensitive children break out of the daily meltdown cycle. These are kids who are melting down, throwing their body on the floor, having meltdowns lasting 5, 10, 60 minutes. Uh, or more and and this meltdown can can happen multiple times a day or multiple times a week and if your child is over the age of four then it's incredibly important that you listen in because that is not developmentally appropriate even if your kid is highly sensitive so let's make sure that we cover that we've helped parents break out of this cycle in as little as eight weeks and we've helped over 350 families uh, to date and uh, counting so when we think about being able to do that eliminate that meltdown cycle that means having your meltdown free days meltdown free weeks consistently and being able to do that repeatedly and then also stretch that goal with with growth so much so that the meltdown cycle has been eliminated Uh, there are a lot of factors to play into that for parents right i mean if you come to us with multiple meltdowns a day we've had families come to us with 20 meltdowns a day being a consistent experience in their home. And we've also had families who come to us where uh, their child's having multiple meltdowns a week. Um, so not daily, but outbursts are daily, or you're walking on eggshells and you're drained and exhausted because you never know when that meltdown's gonna come. That's a trauma response as well. And so we help parents break out of this pattern. All right, and and this can be relevant if your kid's four, it can be relevant if your kid's eight. It's absolutely relevant if your kid is 11, <laughs> even if they're going through puberty, okay? And, uh, and then also for shutdowns, we, we support parents in this dynamic as well. Your child might be internalizing the experience and imploding, we call it. Um, so their, their emotions might be uh, not visible for you at the surface, you might not be seeing aggress- aggression, hitting, kicking, screaming, throwing things, breaking things, etc. cetera. Um, but instead you might be hearing statements like, I hate you, you're, you're the worst, um, I'm the worst, I'm stupid, I'm a bad kid, you'd be better off without me. All of those awful, awful, heartbreaking things to hear from your child or your teen. And we help parents break out of that pattern as well. So parents who are uh, parents of teens, we work with the teens and the parents directly together. And so when we think about being able to break out of this pattern for so many parents, um, you know, being experts in this field and especially in this particular problem, Uh, it's incredibly important that we know how to identify patterns in order to be good at what we do, right? So the pattern that we're going to be uh, covering today is where positive parenting, or um, some might even consider this gentle parenting, can fall flat for parenting a sensitive child. And that's the one component that we hear from from many parents, that when children feel better, they do better. Uh, And when you parent your sensitive child from that perspective, Uh, it can be incredibly stressful for you because uh, what you're missing is the fact that sensitive children struggle with generalizing a skill so if all you're doing is breaking out of the pattern of negativity by just trying to encourage your child more or to um, be more joyful yourself you're only working on your own mindfulness or mindset or self-care or prayer or whatever it is that brings you joy in your own personal brain and your own personal heart As a parent, that piece, while helpful and relevant for all parenting experiences, uh, is only one part of the puzzle for parenting a sensitive child. And so when you think about being able to investigate how the the meltdown cycle is continuing in your household, you might see some shifts, you know, especially some initial honeymoon phase shifts where your sensitive child is starting to realize, oof, um, not every single thing upsets my parents. Um, not every single thing is um, is is the, a big deal as it used to be for my parents. Great, now I can breathe. But what happens uh, when a sensitive kid starts to observe from their parents that um, that that their parents aren't nitpicking anymore, or that their parents aren't stressed as stressed anymore? Um, sensitive kids still struggle with the insecurity of feeling like they can't solve the problem if they don't have the skills, because we you know, we teach this often to, to you in our show here, um, this highly sensitive kids need direct skill instruction. Um, and that can't be the way that you lead the experience, right? So we have to talk about that and, and the how of, of how your child is learning these skills um, is incredibly important, be, but you know, we'll get to that later. So of course, highly sensitive kids want to feel better, right? Um, you know, this has a great ring to it. If you feel better then um, then you could potentially feel better about yourself. Right. Um, and if if you feel better about yourself, then you might be more inclined to try new things or, um, to, you know, to learn in a situation. And that's very important for you to notice, uh, the missing link again, which is the skill development gap that highly sensitive kids can struggle with consistently and, and so you're still parenting your kid as if they're not highly sensitive is if all you're doing is focusing on changing your emotional states in the home and how you handle your frustrations or your aggravations or how you communicate your needs and, and get your needs met, right? So if you're stressed out and you start going to yoga or you start taking, um, going to your own therapy, or you start going to, um, you know, taking long walks and prioritizing exercise, etc. cetera. You might start to feel better yourself so that leads to your child not necessarily walking on eggshells around you or, or feeding off tension uh, with you or, or a co-parent or, or you know, just in general um, any other family dynamics going on in the home but it still lends your child with the need to feel like they can solve problems and that they can feel better about themselves and that's not covered um, when, they're, when they're just witnessing you not yelling anymore. Um, or as, as often, right? Or, or when they're just witnessing you not as anxious or as urgently rushed in the, in the day or, um, you know, things don't seem to, to, to stress you out as, as often. And so when we think about um, challenging this d- notion for, for parents of sensitive kids, um, it's really important to understand not only if you're doing this effectively, but what if you're doing this ineffectively? You know, what if you're simply just trying to, you know, paste a smile on your face to try to be more positive, right? Um, and, and that can lead to toxic positivity, right? So you might've heard that trend uh, before, which is basically just throwing your head in the sand and saying, everything's fine. Everything's amazing. It's going to be great. We're going to work it out. It'll be fun. It'll be, you know, it'll be no, it'll be. We'll stop the problem in in no time, right? And um, when that happens um, and when parents are trying to increase positivity just by faking it till you make it, uh, what happens in that experience is that you're actually still walking on eggshells. You're still trying to solve the problem by helping your kid be happy. Uh, when in, in reality, your child needs the skill set to manage their emotions, whether they're happy, sad, frustrated, surprised, scared, or any of, of the other, um, you know, experiences of emotional of emotions that your kid could be having. And so you're still not teaching your child to deal with negative, neutral or other positive emotions um, and, and instead just pretending that everything can be fine. And that in and of itself is invalidating for your sensitive child. They don't feel like you get how big a deal their emotions are. And when that happens consistently over time, your child also feels like they can't come to you when they are upset because now, uh, you know, of course you stopped yelling and stopped getting so irritated, um, but they, they don't see that you're taking the gravity of the situation as a, um, uh, as seriously, and so they still doubt their ability to seek support from you, and that that support will actually be helpful. And so this is important for you to notice as a parent of a sensitive kid, because sensitive kids are very aware of their surroundings. Uh, they are noticing those subtleties. They are easily overstimulated, which means they can that can cloud um, their their interpretation of events. Okay, and so while you, t- if you take away the overstimulation, uh, you know added stress piece. It doesn't mean um, that your kid is reading into circumstances differently when you twitch your eyebrow, but you're smiling, right? Um, Your kid is going to pick up on that. And so it's important that you're not um, just kind of stuffing your emotions or uh, pretending that everything's better um, and and trying to do that because that can lead to some pretty significant passive parenting experiences uh, where you're just giving into your kid's needs. And we know for sensitive kids, especially, but any child stuck in a meltdown um, just giving them what they're asking for uh, doesn't actually solve the meltdown right um, a tantrum is when a child is saying i want what i want when i want it and then you give the, them the thing and then what do they do they be quiet and they, they quiet down they say thanks you're the best and, and then they, they skip away right but a child in a meltdown who's saying i want what i want when i want it you give them the thing that they're wanting that um, they say they're wanting and, and at that point it's no and then they, they, they can't even make sensical words. There's no logicking going on in their brain. And, uh, and so that's, that can be incredibly stressful because if you're in this meltdown experience Um, with your sensitive kid you'll notice pretty clearly uh, this isn't a tantrum this isn't for attention this isn't to get what they want they are completely overloaded by not only sensory experiences but also also emotional experiences and so while you might be decreasing the likelihood of that emotion getting tipped over the edge um, to full-blown meltdown mode uh, when you when you change the way that you talk to your kid and you change the way that you see the world Um, it doesn't mean that your kid's not going from zero to 80 now. Um, sorry, if we're going, you know, zero to a hundred with the meltdown being a hundred in intensity. Okay. Um, now your kid's going to zero to 80. Um, and so they don't tip over the edge. Uh, of complete body discontrol, but that doesn't mean that your child is, is skillful in, in the experiences um, and knows how to emotionally manage uh, big, big um, negative emotions. They're still feeling those big emotions at a high and intense and scary level, um, just not to the point where it's life threateningly scary. And so the bottom line is is supporting your child in this dynamic is important to notice that uh, you still need to be actively teaching your child how to how to manage their feelings. And your kid need, needs to be able to tell you all of those emotions, um, but and, and what's going on. And um, if you're, you know, constantly stuck in reassurance mode or or Pollyannaing if you will, and thinking everything's fine and dandy, your child's not going to be uh, sharing with you that they're having challenges because they'll be worried about crushing the mood. Um, and, and, you know, and, 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 and struggling in that respect as well, because highly sensitive kids without the skills to advocate for their needs and to notice that it's not their job to keep their parents happy, um, is, you know, are, are much more inclined to still feel like they are a burden and, and avoid asking for help. And so. Your child might, um, bring up a couple of issues that they're, that's bothering them or that's on their mind. Um, but it will still be important for you to observe that, you know, being a highly sensitive kid, your kid's noticing 10, 20, 30 different issues throughout the day that they want to be able to feel uh, empowered in. Um, but they're only bringing to you the, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back or, um, the major issue, but not the other confounding, um, issues, uh, of their day. And so it's important for you to notice that um, that level of intensity that your child is is keeping um, from sharing with you is still impacting their experience. And so it's important for you to not cherry pick alongside your child's choice to cherry pick um, what it is that's bothering them, because while that might carry the most weight, we don't know why um, in these circumstances when your child is venting or exploding sharing with you why it it carries so much weight could be the straw that broke the camel's back or it could be the highest priority in their life right now Um, but without a system to understand how your child is emotionally experiencing life on a daily basis and how to help your child decompress throughout the day to do to do that more effectively um, you'll be stuck in in your own reactive mode of only waiting until your kid tells you what's bothering them um, and, and that in and of itself is the same reason why talk therapy doesn't work for sensitive kids and breaking out of the, the meltdown cycle. Neither does, um, you know, let's play a game and, and call it play therapy. Um, uh, therapy in, in, in the sense where the child is expected to give them the, the, the professional a rundown of what was going on in the week and, um, and then actively solve a problem based on the flavor of the week. Because all of that is still reactive. It doesn't break out of the pattern of teaching your child how to feel capable, no matter the challenge, how to feel capable even when their challenges feel overwhelming, how to understand the catalyst for for problems even moving into the overwhelmed category in the first place. And so the the whole component of you walking on eggshells um, when you were angry and frustrated and, and, and kind of, um, you know, telling your kid they needed to get it together and that, that it was your way to the highway. Um, you might've stopped some of those behaviors because you start to feel better about how you can handle problems. Um, and so you stopped necessarily, you know, I use the word nitpicking earlier, but, um, you know, we could call it anxious urgency, trying to solve the problem, whatever it is. Right. Um, and so you might've changed your delivery of your, your feedback to your kid, but, um, that, and that was reactive. And, and in those circumstances, um, you were walking on eggshells because you didn't know when your kid was going to blow up, but perfectionism, um, and trying to keep everything happy and happy go lucky. And that whole Pollyanna perspective is still walking on eggshells. It just looks differently. Okay. Um, because you're, you're trying to keep your kid happy so that they, that they don't feel sad. Um, and and that in and of itself is holding your, you're holding your breath and waiting for, for the other shoe to drop. Right. So I'll try not to use so many cliches today, but uh, hopefully we can we can kind of understand the, the experience that we're talking about in, in the metaphor. So when we think about being able to break out of this pattern, what, what, what you need to be working on, it's important for you to understand that when you see your child demonstrate a skill set, if you're not actively teaching them, but you're only changing the way that you talk to your child or the way that you relate to your child, Um, then uh, you run into a different issue, right? Which is wondering, how do I repeat this? And so your child hears and feels that level of skepticism from you when they do exhibit self-control, when they do exhibit a skill set that you've never seen before. Because your automatic thought is, is this a fluke? Because I didn't teach him that. And if you've been following me for for any number of, of shows here at this point, you've heard me say, likely, uh, that you, as the parent, are the catalyst for change for highly sensitive kids. Highly sensitive kids learn best through their parent-child relationship, and so if you're not the one actively teaching your kid how to change their behavior, then your child's behavior changing um, isn't likely to be sustainable. Okay, um, it, it is. It is something that is more of a fluke than it than would be something that's systematic because. You are the parent and you're the one who needs to teach your child. Um, and I speak to that because of Lewis's research, because of Elaine Aaron's research, because of um, Marsha Linehan's research, and etc. I'm not here to just, and then also, like I said before, we've helped um, hundreds of families break out of this pattern. So at this point, there's plenty of data sets um, to support that understanding um, that when you're breaking out of this pattern systematically, parents need to be the ones running the show not the kid, not the kid's meltdowns. Okay. And so, um, the, that experience your child is going to feed off of your skepticism and your child that's going to increase your, your kid's capacity to have faith in themselves. And so that breaks you back to the, the, the whole, um, first part of the sentence when ch- children feel better, they do better. No, they don't. Um, when, when highly sensitive kids feel better, they still need help to make that sustainable that's how the sentence should go. It doesn't, it's no longer catchy. Um, uh, but it's certainly real and based in facts. And so when we think about the bottom line and in, in parenting with a positive mindset, uh, it's important for you to notice that it doesn't teach your kid to deal with disappointment when they feel it. It only teaches your child, um, that they should feel happy more of the time. Um, but if a kid doesn't know how to do that, then they're going to start to doubt themselves and feel crappy about themselves. And, and, um, you know, in layman's terms. <laughs> um, that's the that's the official clinical term, if you will. So um, the the next piece that, that's important for you as a parent to understand is, is that when your child feels skeptical about their ability, you need to pay attention to that. That's a very clear sign that your child does not have the capacity to feel um, like they can generalize a skill, like they can translate, you know, I can manage my emotions in this big event when sister tells me um, I can't or play with her or that it's you know she's not going to watch the show I want to watch um, and then I'll be able to respond to that effectively and safely and then do the same thing when I go to recess with a kid and 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 the kids want to play a game and I don't want to play it um, and I want them to play a different game and they keep saying no you know tag you it and I'm nine and at this point I have a choice to go sulk in a corner or uh, find another group of friends or play the game that all the rest of my friends are playing with. And my choice is, is the first one, right? To say, well, nobody wants to be my friend. Nobody wants to play with me. And um, rather than look at it creatively and and decide, uh, do I want to see if other people will play my game or do I want to choose to play my game another time? Notice that, that that will happen because that's how life goes. We all get our, our turns usually um, when children play. And, uh, and so now's the time to pick somebody else's turn. Right. And so that, um, that experience that a nine-year-old might have, um, is important for your, for your kid to, um, you know, to, to feel capable of, um, and to solve that problem. And, you know, let alone observing that at fourth grade, fifth grade, depending on when your kid is nine, um, third grade, even, um, uh, late third grade. Your child might be, you know, pretty pretty close to um, to not engaging in recess activities anymore, not engaging in those outside activities anymore. Uh, if if their go-to is to quit, then they might be focusing more on screen time as a way to feel uh, capable, and um, because that's a world that they can manipulate. Now, with that being said, it it's, it it leaves a lot to the, for um, for growth for your child in a pretty big gap. your child uh, when they can't have face-to-face conversations in an effective way uh, because they're stuck uh, with a screen on their their mind. Um, And so what we're doing is noticing how children are choosing to isolate and choosing to check out of the experience of growing out of their comfort zone when we think about parents who are just trying to help your child feel happy, um, trying trying to increase happiness for yourself so that your child as a result feels happy. And so the the important piece around this is, is that your child's skill set then becomes dependent on your mood um, and your actions and their mood rather than their actions too. Okay. Um so we need to see that flexibility from a healthy, highly se- sensitive child who is functioning in the world um and and being raised to a healthy, high functioning um young adult. We our, we teach our clients to be able to support sensitive kids in f- exhibiting resilience and being able to notice, hey, if mommy's having a hard day today and she starts to use a short voice, um, kiddo can say, it's okay, mom. You know, we all have tough days and I'm going to do this anyways. I'm going to work on XYZ and I'll I'll be back um, versus saying, you never love me and I. you always hate me and I'll never be able to solve this problem and I quit and I leave, right? And th- that being the go-to if mom's not perfect um, you know, Stepford wife, mother looking figure, whatever that is, um, <laughs> uh, you know, in, in terms of being this, you know, perfect, um, mom archetype. Um, and if that's not the case, right. And, and you're being a human and you're humaning and you're, you're raising your voice and that's an uncommon thing for, for you and your family. Um, then the experience isn't that your kid also like turns in lockstep and is just like, oh snap, mom's mad, I better do the thing, right? But that your child is able to feel afraid, um, to feel nervous uh, when a parent is angry and still figure out how they're going to solve their problem, whether that be with parent or without parent, but not in spite of parents' anger um, because they're worried about the anger escalating and they're, they're being parented through fear. Okay, so that's what we're talking about—resilience. Okay, we're not—we're not just talking about getting compliance through frustration or getting compliance through, um, through you know positive, positivity at home or reassurance at home. We're talking about children being able to tolerate mom not being on her A game, and um, or you know, parent dad etc. Um, not being on their A game in in a way that doesn't lead to parents always having to be on their A game. Okay. Um, on the flip side, obviously it's not an excuse to like blow, um, your top every time with parents as a parent, uh, it is part of your job to, to be an effective parent is to be in control of your emotions. You can teach your kid to do the same. Um, but you don't just lead by example. And that's what we're talking about today is, is leading by example is only one part of the puzzle. So when we think about that, the, the dual responsibility of managing your kid's emotions, Um, obviously if you're not changing the way that you respond and you're not changing your strategy, and instead you're just throwing things at the wall to see what sticks, there's no systematic way to break out of that pattern. And so it's very difficult for your child to experience trust in your consistency because you're not consistent. (laughs) <laughs> it's very hard to be consistent when you're reactive. And um, reactive means, okay, kiddo brought home a problem. They're they're being, you know, they feel like they're being teased. The kids are leaving them out in, in recess. You find out it's because your child is only wanting to play a certain game and, and not willing to play a different game. So you start teaching your child how to assert their needs or how to discern whether or not um, kids are being flexible or Uh, It's time for your child to be flexible. And what happens is your child stops thinking that you understand them because in that dynamic, all you're doing is trying to make your kid feel happy at recess. And, and that's not the, um, that's not the experience that your child needs to have. Your child needs to be able to look at a situation and feel creative when frustrated, um, not happy. Okay. Um, and, and that's a completely different skill set that you as a parent need to develop and so that they can then develop. So, um, your child, that's what capability and change come about. Okay. That's what we talk about in terms of resourcefulness. So when you, when you have a challenge, being able to feel capable of solving the problem, that's what being resourceful is, um, no matter the challenge in, in your life. And so if you need to be resourceful as a parent to fix, uh, any dynamic issues that you have in in the household and systematic issues you have in the household, means you need to be able to look at the big picture even if the current moment is very very hard um, and and that's the experience of somebody who's committed to solve the problem um, rather than somebody who's committed to just stay comfortable uh, which means they won't do hard things if it's uncomfortable and uh, that's where your child is stuck right um, it's, it's hard for them to, to change if it's uncomfortable. Um, because sensitive kids thrive off of routine, but if that routine is uncomfortable for them, it's still familiar, Um, and familiarity is much more comfortable than unfamiliarity, right? Um, So change is difficult. You're going to need support to turn this around. It is incredibly hard to parent a highly sensitive kid stuck in the meltdown cycle, and to do that on your own is, in my opinion, really, really um, uh, ineffective, uh, because when we think about solving this problem, when your kiddo is melting down on a daily basis, day in and day out, um, you're exhausted. You're tired. Uh, and and so when you're running that mental marathon on a daily basis, um, the only way that you're going to be able to break out of that pattern is by accepting support, accepting help, um, and taking that that help. Um, rather than trying to figure out um, on your own or trying to ask um your you know questions from people who don't understand the whole dynamic and that's the important piece around uh, working with somebody who knows how to solve the problem um, rather than someone who has just heard of the problem okay so we have plenty of of professionals who are learning more about the personality trait maybe they can speak to the four components of the personality trait um, or at least just understand a little bit and reiterate what they find on google um, and, and it's also true that that's not uh, somebody who's going to be an expert in breaking out of the, the daily meltdown cycle because that is a higher level of expertise and it requires a significant amount of experience to do that because not all highly sensitive kids are stuck in the meltdown cycle. Um, and, and that's a family dynamic issue. So if you have a professional that you're seeking support with and um, and they find, you know, they, they, they say that they understand the personality trait and their go to response is to work with your kid directly. That's a very clear indicator. They don't understand the personality trait at all um, and they don't understand the research behind the personality trait. So they might be able to intellectually say, oh, yeah, sensitive people feel big feelings. Oh, yeah. Sensitive people are easily overstimulated. Okay, got it. Um, sensitive people notice small details. Okay, got it. So I'm going to go talk to your kid um, and I'm going to use big, boisterous, playful language and, um, you know, be happy in that experience and I'm going to help your kid feel happy. And then your kid's going to feel happy enough to give me the answer I'm looking for and then I might tell you um, at the end of that session that your child is absolutely developmentally appropriate and emotionally healthy. Um, and then you, you know, go home to 45-minute meltdowns and you're like, what gives so it's important for you to observe when you're going to break out of the meltdown cycle you need to follow somebody who knows exactly what they're doing they've been doing this for a very long time and uh, you need to listen to 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 the system the system is very clear for here us here at mtc um, for you to break out of this pattern four things you need to do you need to change the way that you respond to your child consistently and playfully and effectively from a from a place of noticing what they're capable of Um, Secondly, you need to be able to communicate with your child for them to grow and you need to do that in a way that doesn't perpetuate shame. Okay. And uh, thirdly is you need to do this and you need to give them specific feedback in a way that doesn't overwhelm them. So having them work on every single little thing that they need to do to develop in order to be a healthy, high-functioning adult um, is going to overwhelm your child. And so you need to be able to prioritize your intense experiences with your child in a way that also doesn't scapegoat them, okay? So you have to take full responsibility that this is a family dynamic issue. That means that every single person in the family needs to be addressed uh, with growth, and um, this needs to be tackled at a multifaceted approach. And and so that requires an expert because if you've got a family of four, that means you as the parent um, need to have you know if there's two parents involved, um, that means that both parents need to be working on both kids at the same time, and shifting that dynamic at the same time. This is not a kid problem. This is not a one kid problem. Um, when you're trying to solve the problem, you can't be looking at it from a perspective of uh, what it would what it would look like, how how much time it would consume, um, how much money it would cost, how much. Um, how much work is involved to to address a problem for one person if you have a family of four you need to look at this from the level of of all of what you'd be investing to change the dynamic for a family of four Um, so that's four times what you were initially thinking um, in in all avenues and that's really important for you to understand how big of a problem this is The, the size of the family impacts the size of the problem and uh, as well as the intensity of of the level of meltdowns that you're dealing with and so when you look at it from that perspective it's a heck of a lot easier to observe that uh, changing the family dynamic means that you're going to change the lives of every single person in your family and uh, you can do that quickly with the right system Uh, does our system work for you i don't know we'd have to have a conversation you got to book a call with our team and we will figure it out, okay? We'll have a clear picture, look of, of where you're stuck in, in parenting your sensitive kid. Uh, we'll take a look at what challenges you're having consistently and um, also where where you're headed and observe that and what your concerns are. And then we'll cover um, what your goals are and how you want to break out of those goals and what, what your objective is as a family member um, in, stuck in stuck in this meltdown cycle. And if all of those challenges, plus your goals match up with what we've helped families do repeatedly again and again. Then we'll walk you through exactly how to break out of that pattern and we'll do that on that same phone call so that you don't have to wait any longer because no one was put on this earth to be miserable and you are included in that number of no one. Um, And and so what that means is that on that same phone call you'll be able to get started with us right away and you won't need to be waiting any longer than that. Um, And it's also true that if we're not a fit then we will tell you exactly what you need to do, what type of therapy you need to um, uh, access, or what type of resources that you need to access, so that you don't leave that conversation um, wondering now what. Okay, You know exactly what you need to do, and you can take action right away. Uh, and we're happy to have that conversation with you because it's incredibly important for us here at MTC that we only serve the families that we know we can help. Um, broken promises or, um, you know, false promises is uh, is not something that we intend on on creating for our clients, and our clients are very happy for that very reason. Uh, the only the only families that we work with are ones that we know how to help. And, um, and so that's where, uh, you know, we have to have that free conversation with you and we're happy to do so. Um, and whether or not what we do is going to be the best fit solution for your family um, so that you can turn it around immediately. I look forward to having that conversation and hearing from you and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week. So be sure to click subscribe If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen, what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson, and we look forward to speaking to you soon.